Welcome back to Glad You're Here and Happy Productions. Live. We that is you, yeah. We are we are live with the one, the only Drew Peterson. Well, Drew Peterson music, and we're talking about we're talking about Tom Waits. Drew, I cut you off in the middle of your story. You were telling uh, you were talking about Tom Waits. Yes. Well, welcome to the show. What he was a lounge act. Well, he was doing he was doing like this. this I love how we're just jumping right into this. <laughs> Fuck, might as well. <laughs> yeah, he was a. Uh, he was actually doing like, uh, uh, like it, it was kind of like a lounge act where he was. It's just him and a piano, yeah. and he was traveling around doing doing these shows. There's some really good bootlegs actually. One's called uh, "Sleeping at Drew's House," which is a wonderful bootleg. Really? Yeah, it's it's around about the time of like uh, "Hardest Saturday Night," you know that kind of stuff. But his show was more like a, a lounge act. It was him and a you know him and a piano. <clears throat> and what's funny is what actually made him who he is was twofold. One was when he met his wife. That's when his music actually got interesting. She actually works for, if you know, she she worked for a theater. She was in theater design. Oh, really? And that's how his stuff got all theatrical. He started writing all these weird operas and stuff for plays, but musical. Yeah. But what actually afforded him to do that, I swear to God, this is a true story. Doritos came to him, and they wanted to use him because he had such a, you know, interesting voice and stuff. Yeah. They wanted to use him in a commercial. And he was kind of blowing up at the time. And he turned him down. He was like, really? no. So they went and got an impersonator and did it without him. And he sued them. And he's one of the first to actually win a lawsuit like that. Of like, mainly because he could prove they came to me and asked. The, he said no. And they yeah. did it anyways. But that money is what afforded him to Basically, oh, go do his thing. Go do it. So that was this, man. Classic, classic case of like you need you need money to really make it in art. But uh, was this before or after the Eagles covered Old Fifty Five? Oh, I have no idea. Yeah. So this guy, he worked the system perfectly. Got Doritos money, and then he got that Eagles money on on the side. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. It'd be interesting. I didn't even know the Eagles covered it. Yeah, they they uh, they covered it on. I don't know if it's off Desperado or which one of their which one of their records, but yeah, they they covered it and it's it became one of their you know eight million hits that they had. So yeah, there's a lot of really interesting things with Tom. He actually <coughs> his voice thing. Uh, they traced that back to uh, France. What? Yeah, he started doing. He started like just bored at a show. I guess was like getting all growly and weird, and they were going nuts for it. So he just kept leaning into it. That's awesome. And that's how he turned. Like, yeah, yeah. It was over in Europe where they they loved his weird growly. Europe always gets it first. The other the other one I just heard is is uh, what's his name who did a uh, Batman and died. Um, Mike. Oh, I was gonna say Mike. the Joker. Yeah, uh, Heath uh, Ledger. Yeah, there you go. Heath Ledger took his character from an interview with Tom Waits. Have you seen that? No. Yeah, there's this interv- there's this interview with um um some 70s uh for- I forget what talk show it was Davison. Anyways, if you look at you can look it up in the 70s, but he's he does this real, you know, if you see if you know him and you've seen his interviews, he does this really weird aloof squirrely with his shoulders up and just and apparently Ledger from that one interview like built his character around the whole character. That that that's what it, yeah that's the word that was coming out. And when you watch it, it's pretty freaky because yeah. I'm I, I'm a huge Tom fan, but I never put the two together. No shit. No. That's that's pretty incredible. <laughs> I, Isn't that weird? Yeah. 
This this is kind of ironic. Like Greg Greg's here taking photos. The last time that me and Greg were here, we were talking about Tom Waits too because I didn't even know he lived in Minneapolis. I didn't know that Christmas card from a hooker in Minneapolis came from him living off of Hennepin Avenue. Uh, I didn't know. I didn't know that either. Yeah, he was here for for a time, right, Greg? Yeah, for like a little while, and that's why. He just, you know, where that song came from. So uh, talking with Drew Peterson about uh, Tom Waits, who self-proclaimed one of uh, one of one of your, your guys that you rip off of. I was saying I rip off Sean. You're, you're like, well, I rip off Tom. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's your favorite Tom Waits record? Uh, that's a tough one, dude. Uh, you know, it depends on my mood. Uh, I get what, that. Well, the first one that really got me into him was Swordfish Trombone, which yeah. is a really strange one. Like, yeah. And I have a hard time when people are like, because that's not the one to go to if you want to get into start. You almost got to start with like closing time or something like that and ease your way into that other stuff. But it's such a different I think it's the most accessible, accessible one is uh, Meal Variations. Oh, really? I, well, I think that one has like a really good spread. Where that's, like it gets it's almost does his whole career where like there's really good ballads like in his early stuff. Yeah. There's, there's really good. Uh, like one of my favorite things he does is Nostalgia. Yep. You know? And he does great nostalgia on that album, but he also does a lot of his weird theatrical stuff on it too. Yeah, that's that's actually a better start than than my idea of, of closing time. Because if you go to closing time and then you go to Swordfish Trombone, you're like, what? The, yeah. <laughs> what the hell happened yeah. here? Like, this is too. Well, Swordfish is the obvious part of like around when he met his wife and he started doing theatrical stuff. That's she okay. Was in the theater. So that yeah, that makes sense. Well, this. This is kind of you. You not really, but kind of close. You kind of have your own Tom Waits story because you've done Forty Watt Bulb, Box Store Bird, and then Drew Peterson. Am I missing any bands in here? Oh uh, yeah, Dead Pigeons. Dead see yeah. Dead Pigeons, right? Yeah. So so there's four four different Drew Petersons. Uh, they they all come through. <laughs> they all come through as Drew. But uh, what is what was the reasoning for like the different the different names for each record? I know that's the classic question everyone asks you, but I'm just curious what the, the names of the records or the names of the bands? the names of the bands. Well, forty watt the forty watt bulb that actually comes from Tom Waits line, line in in uh, off of Mule Variations. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't. It's care. off of uh, the song is a uh, Cold Water. Oh, okay. The line in the song is uh, reading a Bible by a forty watt bulb. I don't know. I, it, to, I'm the one who came up with it. It just struck me. Yeah. <laughs> we were struggling for a long time for a name. We were practicing forever, and we weren't quite a band. And I threw that one out, and the whole band jumped on it. It was At the time, it was a really unusual name. Yeah. yeah I, I don't know why, but we, we always got a ton of questions. And it's, it's still my favorite one that I've done. Yeah, it's a good... It's, it's, it's a great name, and it... it I mean, like you, you say, it's unusual, but it, it encompasses what the music sounds like in a weird it's way. All, yeah, it totally you know? is. It gets, it's we, energy. It's electric. The dumbest part is people always be like, "Why not a thousand watt bulb?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Think about it. That's why it's a dim bulb. It's a dim yeah, bulb. That's what we wanted. We wanted like, a dim bulb. Well, and, and the dead pigeons. That's that's a follow up on that same idea. Yeah. Um, it, I was I wanted just to be called the pigeons. Because it's uh, like just you know the idea of a bird like if you could be a bird right. you know what I mean of like I I can't think of something you know not, nothing against pigeons I've actually had a lot of people think I hate pigeons or <laughs> come defend them of like pigeons are awesome I'm like dude I it's just a name I don't want to kill pigeons yeah. or something but it's just such a pitiful bird in comparison so and what's funny is we we met. Um, we met a band from Brooklyn named The Pigeons. Yeah. And that's where we were like, ah, I can't do that. And I started looking around for other names, and I found in the uh, Urban Dictionary, um, 
if you know what that is. It's like oh yeah, that's that's where I learn phrases from Gen Z now. Yeah, that's where I learn how what things mean. As an old man, it's hilarious for me. I like I find it funny to read yeah. just because it's like. And they come up with the weirdest stuff and like act like everybody uses the term or something, which is you know <laughs> that's so true. Yeah. yeah. Well, one of the one of the phrases in there, this is where I got it from, was dead pigeons, and what it means is lame. Really? Yeah, it means like like uncool and lame. And I'm like, oh, we're the dead pigeons. <laughs> like I want to be the dead pigeons. <laughs> that's that's awesome. It's better than naming yourselves like the Rick Santorums because you were on Urban Dictionary. Yeah. Remember? <laughs> That was, I remember that was that was a thing for a while. Uh, Names are hard, man. Nowadays, God help you if you got to name a band because just Google it and you'll. I mean, you could call yourself the Fart Blossoms, and I'll guarantee you, there's a band out there called it. Like you, you can Google whatever name you want; it is taken. Yeah, uh, for sure. There, there was a Dead Pigeons too, but it was a punk band with. Oh, so you're clear. Yeah, it was a yeah. punk band from like Houston of, of like 15 year olds, and we thought, well, all right, yeah, you're probably I, I safe. Can take them. I yeah, can take them. <laughs> we can take them. <laughs> <laughs> we can we can take those 15 year old Texans. Yeah, it's th- names names are tough. Like Childish Gambino, the rapper named it from an auto name generator. Is how he came up with with that name. Post Malone did that same thing. Yeah. N- no shit. Yeah. Yeah. So. And then, and then you're stuck with it. And then there's other bands that like pick a name. And now in the Google era, if you pick a name that doesn't isn't spelled right, like you spell it all weird, then you don't show up on search results. Like so, it's you got to get it right that captures the music. There's a there was a thing there for a while where people were using V's instead of U's or oh, whatever. Yeah, you know, like restaurant with a V. Yep. And every time I see that, I'm like, man, that's got to be a nightmare for you. You know, <laughs> that's not your yeah. your marketing team hates you. <clears throat> that that is the fact which is kind of what I was getting at was like the the marketing angle of this how have you how have you been able to play this with all the different names of all the music you've released and like people know that it's Drew Peterson I know they don't they, like, that's the okay I am absolutely horrible with business anybody starting out don't do what I've done you know there is this classic thing where where people name their bands yeah. and then they wind up hating them but they don't have a choice they have to stick with it otherwise you you, you know yeah. brand is a really strange thing it, it like people underestimate the power of brand where like <clears throat> a, a common one nowadays is like classic bands from the 60s and 70s that are still going even though there's not original members zombie bands yeah they're all everybody's dead yeah <laughs> But they keep going because the name recognition is so big. You know, like uh, Larry Skinner. There's nobody left alive from that band. No, yeah, Gary Rosington was the They're last one for a yeah. while. Yeah, and, and but then at the same time, like, is Johnny Van Zant gonna sell? You know, is he gonna get paid two thousand bucks a show if he goes and plays not as Leonard Skinner, right? Oh yeah, well they, that's the whole thing. No, it's, yeah, just, they, it's all about brand. It's all. It's. I mean, uh, look at a uh, um, what's his name from Cretans. Oh yeah, John. Well, he got sued <laughs> for his own shit, yeah. right? Yeah, John well, he, Fogarty. He he went down with the, like the worst publishing deal ever. He actually traded all his publishing from all that early stuff just to get out of like two more albums. Really? Yeah, because he was all arrogant. He was just like, "Oh, I'll write a bunch more." Oh, and he got really lucky because he wrote "Put Me in Coach" or whatever, yep. and that's the only other hit he's had. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't know that side oh, yeah. of the story. All it's I- the worst deal in publishing ever. He traded yeah. basically. You know, one of the biggest catalogs in music history for nothing, just to get out of making more albums. Wow! Oh yeah. man, if only he would have known the Prince playbook. Just change your name. <laughs> well, that's a good example. That's, yeah. why, that's why Prince did it. I mean, that was that, that was his thing. So mm-hmm. you you weren't changing names to get out of albums, though, right? Or well, like record box, box store bird, like as a so I'm coming out of the Dead Pigeons. 
when I was doing the dead pigeons, even the players that that started out at Palmer's, I was doing a weekly at Palmer. I did it for years. I was doing this weekly, and great musicians just were coming, hanging out, and sitting in with me. And you know, I had a lot of you know, I have a lot of musician friends, so it just kind of came out of nowhere. It just kind of morphed into a band, and then we were finally like, you know, people want us to play other places. Yeah, that's where we started naming it. Everybody wanted me just to use my name. And I've had this funny thing. I'd be like, I've always just, I, I want to kind of hide. Yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm I'm shy actually, and like it makes me uncomfortable. Like having my name on T-shirts to me is weird. Like yeah. I no fault to anybody doing it. I just, I'm too like Norwegian stoic weird. Like well, it's too much attention. You know. Yeah. So I've tried to avoid it. So I went with Box Store Bird, which is actually another one of my favorite. It's the it's the birds. I don't know what to call it, but. The birds that live in like Menards. Yeah, that's yep. where that comes from. I, I love like, that. I was in Menards watching one of them birds and seeing that you know they put out food and water so they don't you know find dead birds everywhere. And I started reading up on them and they they actually, if you know this, they do this thing where like they can time the doors. Yeah. So they're technically like in this weird between thing where like they're wild, but they're also kind of domesticated. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was just fascinated with it. And I'm like. That's my spirit animal. I'm totally like, (laughs) I'm kind of feral, but kind of not. You know, like, I wish I could just live feral, but I can't. But I I like having a roof. Yeah, so I went with Box Store Bird. I put out one album, and nobody would book it. Because it wasn't Drew Peterson. Yeah, it wasn't Drew Peterson. It wasn't Dead Pigeons. Even when I tell them, no, don't do those, they would still put that on promotions. Yeah. So my my, uh, wife has this friend who's like a marketing guru works for all these big companies and we sat down with her and i was like look i'll take any of my monikers i just don't know what to do and she's she basically you know had them all laying out and she's like you gotta go with your name yeah and i was just like no she's like no you have to you have to go with your name it's the only one that makes sense yeah it's for your brand your brand's important she's the one explained all branding to me Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah, and and instead of doing like Drew Peterson and Boxstar Bird, right? Because which which makes sense to go with your name because the way your last record came out, the twenty the twenty twenty one was, I mean, yeah, there was there was other instruments and and bandmates on there, but you weren't. Did you take that on like on the road with with those musicians or anything or Drew Peterson? Did what Boxstar Bird? Uh, Boxstar Bird and the the Drew Peterson one, <coughs> the the twenty twenty one. That one was under your name, wasn't it? Well, yeah, that's what I'm doing now. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's yeah. what I mean. So like it. it you know, the marketing person was right. Not that I know anything about anything, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it makes it makes a lot of sense to go that route. Yeah, uh, well, it does the whole thing. I just fought it forever, just because I'm. It just feels uncomfortable to me. But yeah. it's also really stupid. Of like, how do people find you if they don't? It's tough. Is yeah. Well, it's, it was really dumb on my part. On the same side of it, I don't regret it. I've I've had so much fun doing what I'm doing, and that's and everything else. It's yeah. You know. That's all that matters at the end of the day. And I mean. You had you had another you had another deal where you didn't have forty watt bulb on streaming services, so you, the only way to hear it was to get a CD from your website, which worked. It got me to get a CD for sure. Well, that uh, was that was caught up in litigation. No shit. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, uh, technically, it wasn't litigated because I can't afford litigation. But yeah. That was where you know. I mean, uh, I can't. I still can't like name names or anything. But somebody. Somebody. It still happens. It's still happening to different extents where people are selling my music. That's frustrating. Yeah, That's uh, it, it, it's the sources are really bizarre, and I've I've fought it for years. It's yeah. literally uh, Snivel, which was my se- the second. It just got on streaming. Yeah, and I've been. I'm not kidding. I've been fighting for 
20 years to get my music back. That's infuriating. Yeah. Jeez. It got sold behind my back, actually. Really? Somebody sold my catalog. They forged a signature. Ouch. Yeah. And then, of course, I found out. You yeah. Know. And- it's been a ton of that. It's been used in commercials. I, I didn't know it. And you didn't get People paid. came to me later and like, yeah. yeah. Wow. Oof. Yeah. Man, that's, that's, I mean, that might be worse than the John Fogarty deal because you didn't even sign it. You know? No, like, it's, well, it's, it's, it's <clears throat> stealing. Yeah, I mean, I, I found out because I got this big job offer for a, a staff writer and and they got all freaked out when they realized because they, they tried to buy my catalog. Yeah. Oh. <clears throat> they thought I was with somebody who I wasn't. And it, it all just went sideways. And Bad. lawyers, I got, you know, I was, Apple was, at that time, there was only three distribution spots for music and it shut down a third of iTunes. So I was getting all these call, like threatening calls from Apple lawyers. Yeah. If you want to shit your pants, like, wow. that'll do it, man. Like, oh, yeah, man. Yeah. Dude, yeah. that'll, uh, well, that'll make you be feral quick. Yeah. <laughs> you, you just kind of be like, well, I guess I'll just uh, go back to living in a van again. Yeah. <laughs> so much for the domestication. Well, and it turns out, like, you hear this story all the, all the time, but it actually re- never really happened. So when it happened to me, in a weird way, I kind of got blacklisted because the industry is so scared of lawsuits because they never happen. Yeah. And they, they never really get resolved because it's like what's happened to me. It's been just 20 years and spins yeah it just keeps going and going and going and, oh god yeah. well hendrix that hendrix is a classic one if you know that one no i don't know that one at all he dies uh the label comes to his dad because he's the one that would have inherited it yeah gave him five thousand dollars for the catalog <laughs> and he was dumb you know what i mean he didn't know anything about the industry but they told him if like yeah this is the deal this is how it would work and, yeah and then you know oh, instantly man. when he then he took the money but when he looked into it afterwards he was like oh my god they ripped me off yeah he went into a litigation and they oh. just the, the estate just got his music back not not that long ago it's been oh. i mean it's been like 30 years that they've been fighting the label to try to get Ouch. the rights back to his music and yeah. that's after they released like everything from the vault too yeah. that you know who knows if jimmy would have ever wanted that released well think of all the place. box sets think yeah, of all, yeah, yeah. Ex- all that all that crap i mean every live show we ever played they managed to squeeze they squeeze a lot of blood from that stone oof yeah well, it's p- part of it though if, if you look at it mo- a lot of the most popular music you know it's because of that though too so that's a weird thing of like yeah so like the uh if you know, you know i know way too much about this stone. <laughs> if you know like uh the story with the beatles and michael jackson I, okay, va- vaguely. Like, so, I've heard this before. So basically, of Apple or something. You right? know, um, McCartney and him wrote some songs together. They yeah. put them out in the, in the, like, the 80s. And when they're hanging out, somehow in conversation, he, had, he was going after, I think the rights to the music were coming up again. And Paul was going to buy the rights, obviously, to the Beatles back. And, and uh, Michael was asking, and he was telling him, like, yeah, you know publishing is the way to go it's where all the money is so and apparently michael joked to him and said i'm gonna buy your catalog and they both laughed like ah yeah but he did it he bought it from underneath him oh for at the time period for something really crazy it was like i don't know i mean like 30 million which now if you think about it that sounds like nothing for the beatles catalog yeah at the time but the weird part of that is i personally wonder if they weren't in on it together in some way because that was still when the integrity you needed the integrity so it separated them enough because i remember like in high school the first time a Beatles song ever got used 
was in a Nike commercial. They did Revolution for the new Nike Airs. Yeah. And it was huge. It was everywhere. Everybody was freaking out about it. And it was a cool commercial, like the first time you got to hear. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure, like from there on out, it it opened floodgates and made things okay. But Paul couldn't do it. You know what I mean? Like he had to... Be removed from it, so I, 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 I don't doubt they did that together. I that that could make sense. And yeah. now, forty years later, have you? I mean, you're, you're. I'm sure you paid attention to all these other like Neil Young selling his catalog, Bob Dylan selling his catalog. Have you paid attention to who they're selling it to? Oh uh, no, is it Sony? Well, it's an offshoot of Sony that's founded by this startup, and it's this guy who this is what he's doing. He's just going around and collecting all of these, and he's gonna—I mean—he's gonna start cashing in on it soon. But right now, he's not, and so they're also like trying to buy the what's not talked about is like smaller, smaller artist catalogs, and then he'll own those because I mean, record labels have been doing it for forever, but now it's just this one dude who is like smelled smelled blood in the water and is out cashing in on all of this shit with well, VC if, money. If you think of uh, Turner Classic Movies, yeah, I mean, I think he paid like a billion dollars for that catalog, Yep, and everybody thought he was nuts. But look what's happened. I mean, like, he made his money back like that. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like that. Yeah. Like, and if you look at what he bought in that, it's insane. Like, it's- of course it's worth the money. Yeah. You know, it's it's no different than Lucas with Star Wars. Of like, same thing. People are like, oh, that's that's stupid. They're never going to make... Yep. They couldn't even get the phrase out and they already made that money back. You know what I mean? They'll yeah. never make that... Oh, they made that money back. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't take long. Yeah. Doesn't take long at all. And I mean, it's 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 just a weird... It's It's a weird thing because like these songs are so ubiquitous that you kind of... I mean, if you hear like you hear the Beatles in a commercial, and you're like, "Oh, it's the Beatles," and you don't really think about all of the business shit that went into the Beatles ending up on a Nike commercial, right? I find that sure. shit fascinating. Uh, but are we ever going to hear a Drew Peterson song on a commercial? Is that is it, is it ever well, going to happen? You know, what's funny. This is this has been asked to me a ton, which is really weird. Um, the one that m- most people have brought up to me is just for the example, as I wrote the song for my son. Yeah. Uh, called Soda Pop, and it's this really heartfelt. Like I don't even play it out because I have a hard time with it. So, yeah, gets me in the yeah, feelings yeah. every time. And people have come to me and be like, "You'd never sell that for a commercial, right?" And every time I have the same thing of like, "Hell yeah, I would." <laughs> but like, you could you know yeah. take integrity in one hand and crap in the other. Like I, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't have you know. It's uh, what's integrity of like. Right. What is what has more integrity of like being able to feed my family and and it's what that's the weird thing of like people it's like people want you to starve to death instead of you as know a, what I mean yeah like, as an artist like, <laughs> I don't care if that gets used for a douche commercial man like yeah. if I get paid <laughs> right like I'm starving dude <laughs> you know people are always disappointed I'm like I'm sorry I don't know what to tell you like I got you get, know yeah twenty yeah. years of hundred dollar gigs I, I like I love a paycheck exactly it's a well earned paycheck yeah. yeah you got to get some of that corporate money somewhere I I was I was thinking the other day that like a great a great gig because like musicians are notoriously bad business people right like just notoriously bad at it and notoriously bad just at emailing in general (laughs) like I I was like here's a gig let's go steal from the rich and give to the poor let's put on like a traveling 
traveling roadshow musicians and we'll just go around and do corporates like just book a bunch of corporates around the country charge them an arm and a fucking leg and then just everyone makes money hand over fist and all you're doing is going from corporate to minneapolis corporate to chicago corporate to dallas like just just go make the money go where the money is go take it from them but uh i don't know how that would ever work it's you'd have to coordinate with all these corporate people i've done a lot of corporate stuff yeah but have you done like a full-on corporate tour well, no, that's the whole thing. Is you yeah. like, like there's ways to do that, but it's through booking agents and and, and everything there. <laughs> well, yeah, and they, you know, corporates are no different than anybody else. They want to book what's hot. Yeah. So I mean, the weirder part is when you see who actually does corporate stuff. Where like, you know, Foo Fighters do corporate stuff. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like Everyone you can name the them. biggest bands in the world. Yeah. You know, Post Malone does. You know, well, hell, he's doing like Chick Fil A right now or something. <laughs> that's you right. know what I mean? Yeah. Like. It, it, the whole thing is really weird because people have a really weird misunderstanding of like what it all means. They're and like, again, the, the integrity part is just to me is really bizarre. Of like, I mean, it's one thing of like, you know, if you're Metallica and, and you you want to fight Napster. I mean, that's yeah. silly. Obviously, that's silly. You've had a you know, but on the same side of it, like the people who should be pissed about that would be someone like me, where it's like I'm not even getting paid. You know, exactly. People, so, well, yeah. people like to romanticize that shit, and and like the romanticize these starving artists on oh, that that whole thing. Like sure. they just they they like the mythos that Rolling Stones sold to everyone in the '70s about all of this all of this crap, and now you know everyday artists have to pay the price for it because people are like you're a sellout you know why are you doing it? like you said integrity in one hand crap in the other uh, rolling stones haven't done a tour oh, since like the 80s that hasn't been sponsored by somebody major already exactly. paying like 300 million before they even hit the road exactly like, budweiser presents you know like yep the same thing integrity in one hand you know yeah there's it, some artists that it's like they can do anything and get away with it actually one of my favorites is if you look into like andy warhol and what he did yeah he flipped that whole thing on its head and it's hilarious like he was on the love boat (laughs) no shit yeah i didn't know that andy warhol was on the love boat yeah (laughs) like he totally just messed with everybody i think he did commercials he did and he did like the worst that should like ruin careers yeah but that was even his point you know like it's brilliant yeah yeah i (laughs) I love that. All right. Well, I've gotten I've gotten us on a tangent and down a rabbit hole about like you know music industry and and we've we've landed on Andy Warhol. But uh, Drew, you've been you've been playing. Uh, you mentioned it off air. You've been playing a little bit less around town lately, right? Well, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm just not doing. I, I I was just playing a ton of gigs, you know, just for the cash in hand kind of stuff. And I've I've switched up to basically just doing ticketed shows. And I'm traveling a lot for those shows. Nice. Um, so yeah, I mean, like as an example, in Minnesota for the summer, I like I, I literally this one this weekend is one of my I think the only show in the city in the state. Yeah, where where are you playing this weekend? Aiken. Aiken. Oh, you're, you're at the Beanery. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be nice. What yeah. uh, what what day time? All that good stuff. I gotta find my phone. All right. I will tell you, Aitken... Uh, right now, my wife is at home rolling her eyes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I didn't. I didn't give you. I didn't give you a, a warning that the plug was coming. But Aitken is an is an up and coming town. It's. Uh, I used to. Me and me and my folks used to have. Not me and my folks. My folks used to have a cabin up an outing. So we drove through like Crosby all the time when I was a kid. Yeah. And uh, I. I 
the other I don't know a couple of years ago my fiance was like hey we should uh, we should go to Crosby and go mountain bike and I'm like what the heck you want to go to an antique store like what do you want to do in Crosby I've been there a million times there's nothing going on in Crosby of course she gets me up there and uh, it's just it's one of those awesome cool small up and coming towns and Aiken is the same way have you been up there well, recently well, it, actually Crosby is a great example in the fact of like <clears throat> you have all these places where like they, they've kind of died yeah but then the real estate got cheap Exactly, and then the people that are raised there and from there who love it and are you know, yep, they decide to like open restaurants and breweries and, and like cool Crosby's as an example. If if you're going through, there's a burrito place that is off the hook. Have yeah. you been there? Yeah, it's so Ooh, good. Have you been there? Oh my god, those burritos are like Great. to die for. Yeah, the brewery's awesome. Yeah, I mean, and then you can go mountain biking down on these awesome trails. Yeah, I did a. I actually I did a. Uh, uh, this back in the day, but I did a huge bike show there for. Oh yeah, there was some kind of big bike race. Yeah. Cool. Crosby's awesome. Crosby's awesome, and so and Aiken's the same way. Same thing. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah, and I, I took us off base. We were playing at the Beanery, and uh, what? What's Beanery. The May I'm gonna I'm gonna read this and try <laughs> to act like I'm not reading it. Yes, the Beanery is May 5th at 7 p.m. Join Drew Peterson at the ultimate intimate concert venue. It, it, I haven't played this yet, but from what I've heard, this is a really awesome place. They got a chef that's going to do a menu Ooh. before the show, and then I'm going to perform after the show. And don't miss this one of a kind event. <laughs> Uh, How's that for off the cuff? That's pretty good. I feel like you're ripping on me because the the radio host probably should have had that info. No, handy no, that's my, I'm, I'm just that bad at it. Actually, the other the other one that I got uh, is Festival Rialto, which is in uh, oh. Grand Rapids. Yep, and that's a that's another one that's fantastic. Kelly Smith's playing it. Eric Koskinen, Good Morning Bedlam. Oh, I didn't know Eric Koskinen was on that bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd good Morning be- Bedlam and uh, Wild Horses. That'll be that'll yeah. be a good time. That's a good ticket, man. I'm That's excited to great ticket. That's dude. one of those as a you know a musician and a fan. Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. It's like yeah. oh cool, I don't have to pay for that ticket. Right, you're, you're done with your I set. Can just show up and yeah. you get to hang out and just watch. That's when is that? Uh, that one festival Rialto is on June third. All right, perfect. That's yeah. The the other one that I got is the um is at the Nordic. It's it, we haven't really announced it yet, but it's on August nineteenth. Okay, that one's another fun one. It's gonna be loaded. Yeah. I think I got Lou Shields and uh, somebody else on the bill. Oh, um, Delwood. Delwood. Yeah, Delwood's oh. agreed to play with us. Hey, you got Delwood coming up. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. That'll be that'll be fun. Have you have you you've seen them before? I've right? never seen them actually. No, really? I haven't had a chance. Yeah, yeah they're so we've tried fun. a couple times. One of them, uh, they're playing hook and ladder, and it was a snowstorm, and that, our sitter fell through. We would have still went, but our sitter fell through. But Gre- we had it all planned out. <laughs> Greg can tell you how that show went. How long was your drive home from the hook and ladder that night? Two and a half hours. Yeah. <laughs> so, and you lived a block away from it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you uh, you you picked a good one to miss. I'll tell you that. I mean, not not because they're set; they were incredible. But I mean, two and a half hour drive home is a long time. And to, well, to me, honestly, like I I never cancel. Yeah. So that's nothing. Like I, it sucks. I get it. I don't mean to like underwrite you having a hard time home, but it's part of my business. I'm so used to it. I never. Yeah, you just got to do it. We did a show once. We uh, we played in Mankato. This was with Forty Out Bulb. We played in Mankato the night before, and it was like Saturday night in Duluth. And uh, one of the blizzards across the whole state. Yeah. We got up early. I swear to God, we went like 20 miles an hour. Oh, 
even though our tires were going 50 miles an hour kind of yeah. thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like stopping multiple times for gas because you're just slipping everywhere. And we finally made it. We made it with like a half hour beforehand. Jeez. But it took us all day to get to Duluth. And when we showed up, the owner was like crapping himself. He's like, hold on. I got to make a call. And we're like, what? He's like, come here, listen to this. He, he, he calls. He's like, these guys live up the hill. It was the opening band that canceled because they they lived right up the hill from us. And they're, they're like, just so you know, they made it from Mankato. Like yeah. shamed them into coming. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> did they make it? Did they come down? They did. They yes, did. They did. Uh, Actually, right. the amazing part was how many fans for that one showed up. It was one of those where like Duluth got like three feet. Oh yeah, we all had a blast. Well, so, sometimes with with snowstorms like that, like when they're awful, if you live two blocks away, you might actually go out and do something you wouldn't have done in like a weird way. You know what I mean? Dude, I, I've worked bars for years, yeah. and they're always your busiest nights. Yeah, yeah. And it, it always weirds me out when bars close because it's like they don't understand of like if they know. Like, so I used to work at Silver Creek yeah. Corner Bar, and the owner there just knew of, like, everybody knows we're always open, we never close. Yep. And then those legendary blizzards where people would walk there. Exactly. Because they knew everybody would be there. That's, you know what I mean? That's and it, just yeah. it. That's where you go. Yeah. You go and hang out with your community. And, like, in, in cities like Duluth or Minneapolis, it's that one time where you know there's only going to be your neighborhood at that bar, yep. which is kind of a cool experience in a big city like that. Yeah, You're you like, all just sit around and complain about what just happened exactly. or what is happening at the moment. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it's a great time. It's and the then, ultimate Minnesota experience. You just sit around and talk about the weather. Yeah, and then just go push somebody out. <laughs> push somebody his car out on your way home (laughs) that's that's part of the deal uh yeah and (laughs) i'm i'm sorry but okay so so you've been you've been doing this for for like 20 years you never cancel we you always do gigs and you've been you've been writing songs for a long time one i know we've been nerding about about the industry side of it but i always like to nerd out about how you come up with how you come up with your songs and i don't mean that question of like what comes first like the words or the music like what happens i'm just kind of curious where your where your ideas come from for songs like gus can't catch a fish right i mean well I mean, it, it's song to song. Yeah. <clears throat> Gus is, I mean, Gus is technically a true story. I just, I just turned it uh, as in, uh, like I was Gus, but otherwise the, the story I tell live about that, that song is true. I, yeah. I was just at the, that bar I was talking about, Silver Creek. I was in there eating lunch. Somebody had put up fresh ink. It said, Gus can't catch a fish. And where I'm from, man, those are like, I mean, I've seen crap written on a wall, but I'll, and I didn't know who Gus was. Yeah. Unusual. Cause it's a small town. But I just knew, man, oh, my God, Gus is pissed. Like, that is not something you're right. Yeah, right. You can question anything. Yeah. Question uh, question how smart I am, question my sexuality, question, you know, insult my religion. You don't you don't talk about fishing, man. That's over the line. No, that's, that is a bridge too far. Yeah. Yeah. But, but so, like, when when you see the writing on the wall, are you, are, are you like, oh, I got to write that down, that's a song? Like, are most of your ideas first, like, the lyric comes first? And uh, in, in, like, the lyric idea, you know what I mean? Like what happens? What's the process? Well, I'm personally I'm a huge um, advocate of of basically the muse. Yeah, which I, a lot of people it, it sounds really you know fruity and especially someone like me I'm like a farmer kid you know what I mean so I think mis- people misunderstand what it means. It's not like there's really. Um, like, I don't think of it as like, oh, there's this little fairy that whispers things in my ear. It's just the getting in the creative mood. Like, for me, the key to it is being really playful, being really non-judgmental. I will write anything, no matter how dumb it is, 
and I don't judge it till I'm done. So when I'm when I'm writing a lot, I run a, I write a ton of songs. Yeah. And you know, for every twenty one, I'll see the light of day. That's a pretty good ratio. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I've gotten to a point now where, like, frankly, I've 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 had nights where like. Like when I'm in a writing mood and stuff, um, like for the pigeons, I wrote four of those songs in one night off that album. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's wild. And you don't do you run into an issue when you do something like that where you write four of them in one night and you're like, these are too well, I mean, obviously not in that instance, but we're like, oh, these are similar. I wrote the same song three times. You know, like does that ever happen when you're doing of it course. like that? Yeah. yeah, of course. I mean, there's only so many chords. Right. <laughs> that's you true. know what I mean? And that's the whole thing where like actually more embarrassing of like and I do swear there is some kind of an ether. I, again, I don't know how to explain it, but you kind of plug into it. But there, they'll you'll have weird things of like, like as an example, I wrote a song called Mastodon, and it, it was the same concept. If Charlie Parr has one, yeah, that's that's pretty famous. And I wrote one at the same. I'd never heard his song. That's wild. But I wrote it, and then I brought it. And at the time, Mickle was playing with the Dead Pigeons. He was, and he thought I was messing with him. Yeah. He was like. <laughs> He's like, are you kidding, dude? And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, this is a Charlie Parr song. I'm like, what? And he, showed, he wound up <laughs> showing it to me. I'm like, it, there is this weird ether, yeah. And you plug into it, and people get the same ideas. You know, you you like. I'm always this advocate of like, when you write, <clears throat> spend it. I think as writers, you have this idea of like, that's too big of an idea, or that's too good of a line. I'm gonna save this, save that. Don't save anything. You can write the same song three times. It'll get better. Yeah. You know, spend it. And like But the big part is, like, don't judge yourself. I mean, like, Gus can't catch a fish. I mean, if I judged that song too early, that song never would happen. I've got weirder songs than that. Like, German Chocolate Cake is a song about my hatred of cake. Like, German <laughs> Chocolate Cake. Yeah. And when you put it on paper, it's like, that's dumb. You know, like, that's just a dumb song. But it, it that's works. my top streaming song. Yeah. it's Well, it's a great song. Yeah. Well, I, I had you, you're gonna you're gonna hate this. Somebody somebody the other day was asking for a German chocolate cake recommendation online about like they're like where's the best place to get German chocolate cake in the Twin Cities? And I like a smartass, I commented, I'm like Drew Peterson German chocolate cake with like the Spotify <laughs> link. And uh, somebody commented underneath it, <laughs> they're like, I won't buy German chocolate cake from a uh, double murderer. And I was like, oh, we've really <laughs> fell down the rabbit hole now. <laughs> Uh, I've, I've had that question often, actually. I bet. Which I bet. Is I'm sure really it's bizarre. It, like at shows, people walk up and be like, "Are you that guy?" Oh God, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, the, who killed his wife? And yeah, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm out on bail. Oh, yeah. dude. Yeah, I'm, I'm out on bail. Instead of being a cop, I decided to write songs. Yeah, so like, dude. I know. I know you're probably so tired of hearing about that shit. No, but it's like, fine. Yeah, it's yeah. just, it's just one of those things where it's like, man, you can't, you can't it's even. It's down a lot. Which that's is good. Nice. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's quite quite a down. Another good reason to use names like box store bird, things yeah. like that. Uh, so when you're when you're putting putting your antenna up, for lack of a better phrase, and like tuning tuning into the to the ether and getting getting your songs and they're coming they're coming down. You're writing them. You're writing them quick. Are you are you a go back and edit them then? I know you said you don't judge judge yourself too much, but do you go back and edit them after the fact, or do you just kind of let it ride with like a first or second draft? Well, my my goal. And again, this is something that, you know, like advice to a young musician or something. My goal is to get hit the peak of the song at the moment I want to record. Mm. And you can feel that in... So Box Store Bird, actually, if what that album actually is, is there's a bunch of... That's all pre-tracking. I did all that in my garage. Wow. And it's all... 
it like that's why there's like dead pigeon songs on there yeah is like when you work with a band you kind of give up reins and you share it with everybody so i brought all these songs to to the band and the songs that the other songs on that album were ones that they turned down they're like i don't you know like you you can't like force someone to play something they don't feel or that you know what i mean like yep. it's just kind of you won't get what you want so yeah you know if the bass player's like i i just don't feel this song you know it's like okay we'll move on yeah i write enough of them so there are a bunch of like songs that the band turned down or else um versions the original version of the songs and that's why if you listen to them there's a lot of mess ups yeah but it's for me it was right before peak and there's a lot of like really cool at least for me it's like really cool energy to it speeds are different and it's where it's closer to what i intended instead of and i'm not saying the band did you know some of the band versions are obviously better but for me like there's this uh it's like a different uh the songs are just so different you know like they it's you know a song in general is a conversation and it's like the conversation like if you really want to understand the conversation better i think it's a comparing the two is the way to do it so for me it's like i editing has more to do with the moment of recording then okay yeah i don't know how, how much you've recorded have you recorded a lot i've I've, re- I've recorded a few records but i mean my mom liked them a lot that's <laughs> <laughs> you know uh yeah i, I wish my mom did <laughs> i'm sorry i'm uh, just okay i'm just joking uh, <laughs> um well no for me that's the whole thing is like i used to do a thing where like uh like with 40 watt we we were so green and we were so nervous. I would throw up before every show and I didn't realize it was from nerves. Yeah. So we would over-practice to get it into muscle memory. And what I found in doing that is like, yes, it'd be muscle memory where I could just, I could be freaked out of my mind. And at the end of the show, I'd be like, what just happened? Yeah, you can play. And people it. were like, no, it went good. I'd be like, okay, cool. Yeah. Because I don't remember it. <clears throat> but when you, when you over-practice something... There, something winds up getting lost. There's, there's, to me, like literally, there's a moment in the times that you've played a song where you you'll hit the best energy. Mm-hmm. And I think that Boxster Bird album show for me it shows that of like there's certain songs on there where like uh, like Honey Barbara for me that that version of it is like the ultimate version it's really rough it's really whatever else but for me it like hits the emotional center of what that song is just because it's right on that the edge of like I barely know it but it's the right you know what I mean I know exactly what you mean it's kind of like your your red line in your car and right before it you want to shift but you're kind of right riding that line and and it captures that essence of the I mean like you said they're not mistakes but there's a human element and we have however many people in a room you get more of that humanity right before every Everything is perfected and everything. It's like Highway 61. You know that story? Al Cooper was a quarter beat behind everybody else in the band with the organ because he was learning the song as they were recording oh, yeah. it. Yeah. And, I mean, that gives that such a better feel than if he would have been right on beat. Yeah. Like, I, I listened to a thing one time where they, they're like, this is what Al Cooper's organ should have sounded like. And you're like, that is not the same song. Yeah. And, it, yeah, it breaks it. Well, yeah. it breaks is not the right word. But like you said, it's a conversation and you get you get different variations. Of I, it. I was influenced with recording. I was influenced early on with the replacements. I don't know how. Mm, if, you know, yeah. You know, what's weird to me is a lot of younger people don't know who they are anymore, which is bizarre. It's wild. Like they're an awesome band, but they had this thing of like they would only record once. Yeah. And you work then you work with your mistakes. 
And I've actually always had that thing of like, I don't really, like, I'll let players overdub and get it to where they want. But what you wind up finding through that is you go through them, and guess what? The first take is it's the one you want. Yeah. It's yeah. the most fresh. It, it's the same concept with, with writing and playing songs. It's like, that nervous energy and the you know, so, you know people write songs for different reasons. For me, my reasons are emotions or storytelling, and normally the combined it's the emotions that come with the story, and that's the whole thing of like, it's like if if I scare the crap out of you and go, Bleh, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's only gonna work once. Yeah, that's true. You know, and yeah. it's the same thing with a song. You want to hit that moment of like that emotional where it really you know for yourself, yep. and it's really hard to do. And the timing of like you got to know the song and still retain that feel that boo. Oh, yeah, yeah. Still capturing, still capturing that that essence of what the song is and what the song wants to be. And yeah, I mean they're 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 kind of like fruit sometimes. Like you yeah, know, you got no one to. Yeah, yeah they're just they're mm. they'll like they're like an avocado. You have a twenty, you have a ten minute window to get. That's this a song. much better analogy than my long explanation. I, I'll have to remember that one. Songs are like fruit. That's yeah, perfect. You yeah. can yeah, you can steal it. All all I did was take what you said and translate it. Uh, but yeah, it's a uh, it's a really interesting way to do it, and especially in like in this day and age. And I'm I'm not trying to blow smoke, but I mean that's kind of seems counterintuitive to what every recording engineer will want you to do when you walk into the recording studio, right? Like they, they want perfect. They want you playing to a grid. They want a metronome going. They want to be able to fix those tiny little mistakes and create the perfect thing because that's what people's ears are used to from the radio or Dude, what I, You would not believe the arguments <laughs> and the fights that I've had with other musicians and other engineers oh, and even have to put my foot down and be like it's my effing song dude yep leave if you don't like it I, like i'm really passive i'm really easy going i don't like confrontation i'm very minnesota in that way but i do have those moments and the big one is learning through the years of like i've let things go and then i have to listen to that damn thing forever you know what i mean forever <laughs> yeah and it's in the back of my head I'm like god damn it i should have stuck to my guns <laughs> so now like i mean i'll yeah when i know something yeah, you can't you trust your gut. Yeah, yeah, you you have to, and you can you can. I just had I just had Joel Schwartz on um, uh, like right before you, who produced Kelly Smith's record, and we were we were having a conversation about the whole thing about the recording process is trust. You just got to trust the people that are in the room, trust the people that you're working with, and sure, sometimes you're gonna you're gonna butt heads on this, that, or the other, but ideally you brought those people in to play because you trusted them as good players, right? And you didn't bring them in because they could hit an A note better than somebody else, and you can move that A note around. To wherever you want it to go, right? Well, ideally, if, if, like, you have a bass player that you know, like, yeah. you can give him the pre-tracking, and he's going to figure... And I've, I've been lucky enough to have a lot of that. You know, a lot of my players are that way. And and not have the egos that they'll come to be like, I'm kind of lost, I don't know what to do, and then I can sit down and we'll figure out something together. Yeah. But in general, you know, yeah, finding the... It's one of the most important parts is find people that want to express themselves yeah. and allow them to express themselves. I mean, that's where the... I mean, that's the beauty of... For, for me, both the, you know, 40-watt and Dead Pigeons is listening to, you know... Yeah. You know, some of the players I have on there and hearing their honest expressions to something I wrote is just amazing. You know, they added the stuff that just makes the song. Yeah. You know? And now, and so now you're doing, doing a solo thing and there's, there's the trade-off we're talking a little bit off air. Like you don't have to herd the cats of the band. You don't have to, you don't have to do all of that. And then it seems like you kind of scratch your itch when you want to. Like I saw when you were playing down at Palmer's, you brought, you brought a band with you, but uh, I know a lot of the time you're playing like solo acoustic, right? And that's kind of, well, a lot of this has to do with the places I'm playing. Yeah. 
and a lot of this just comes with the years of experience of like understanding of like what I can get away with what I can't get away with makes sense and I basically now like I'm just this kind of ornery old man where I like I'm just trying to get away with you know I'm at the point right now where I'm like, holy shit, I can't believe I'm 20 years in. I'm still making a living at this. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. so, but a lot of it is like knowing your battles. And like Palmer's is an example. I played it for... So Palmer started for me. They weren't doing music. Oh, really? No, that's, how, that's how old I am. And when I was doing... I mean, I had played shows there and stuff like that, but they weren't doing it consistently. They'd have, you know, I think I was on some of the first Palm Fest. I mean, wow. classically, they've always done music. You yeah. know what I mean? Like Spider, you know, and yeah. Slim, Dunlap, and all those guys. But I just mean like what it is now. It wasn't. Got it. And they didn't want to. But I was friends with the owners, and I went to them. It was Keith, you know, yep. Keith and Lisa. And I basically, in my head, 40 Watt was done, and I was in this really weird in between place where like I didn't know what to do I, I thought may, you know yeah. maybe I should go be a postman that's what my grandpa did he was happy John Prine did it right? and then I thought you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna do the worst thing I could do I you know I literally in my head I thought okay a single guy with an acoustic guitar I'm gonna pick the worst freaking room I could think of yeah to play and I'm gonna try to play it a lot so I went to them because I, I couldn't think of a worse place of like walk in with a freaking acoustic guitar and be like, I bought my love a cherry. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. I couldn't leave it anything worse than Palmer's, man. They'll eat you alive. It's the Apollo right? of the cities. Yeah. And they weren't having music, you know what I mean, at the time. So it was double deadly. And, you know, I just, I figured like trial by fire for myself. If I can survive this. And that went on for like, I'm not getting like six years. It was insane. <laughs> yeah. But I proved that to myself that I could do it. That's awesome. But what I, I also learned a lot of lessons through that, which was like, their shows of like, what's the fight for? Yep. You need the extra sound to get above the crowd. Yeah. So now, if it's a Palmer's type show, I bring a band, of course, I bring up, you know what I mean? Of like, it's insane to walk into a place like that with just an acoustic guitar, <laughs> you know, a loud, rowdy bar. If you put a bass and drum to it, you can win them over. You can, yeah, then, then you yeah. have a fighting chance. Otherwise, it's, <clears throat> you know, I, I don't know. I think the world needs more white guys with acoustic guitars. I think. Hey, I'm I, all for it. I'm all for it, man. Yeah. I've been doing it my whole career. No, right? But I'm, I'm just saying, of like, now I just know my shows. Yeah. And so, like, like as an example, this one coming up at Aiken. Like I don't, I don't need a band. It, um, it would go with the opposite. If like I had a band, it would distract from the song. The overpowering, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And in in the room, and uh, Alexander Craig just played across the street from the Beanery at San Pagita. Have you talked? Did you talk to him about this? Uh, no, I mean I, I talk to Alex all the time. Yeah, I I only know because I I was talking to to Richard who who runs San Pagita and. He was when I played San Pagita, He was like, "This is a hot room. This is a hot room, and this is white guy with acoustic guitar." And I was like, "And you're bringing Alexander Craig in here in three months, yeah. <laughs> dude? That's gonna be that's gonna be rough." I was just, I was just curious how that how that went. I'm sure it went well because Alexander is awesome. San Pagita is cool too. But me and me, me and Alex, uh, this was now uh, probably a couple of years ago. Uh, we've been friends for a lot of years. Yeah, he's one of my best friends. I love the dude. And we just, it's one of those things you probably know as musicians. You never get to see your friends because you always work the same hours. You know, yeah. yeah, and you're yep. traveling a lot. And so if you're lucky enough to get on gigs together, and it was during COVID, I think it was during COVID, I hired him to come help me do my, you know, mainly like lonely. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. you, you need people. And so he came over and helped me put siding on my house. And nice. during that time period, we're like, dude, let's do a tour together. And then even both of us were like, that's probably a bad idea, but let's do it. You yeah. know what I mean? 
And it wound up being, like, it was a riot. It was super fun to hang out with them for all the time that we did. But it was the dumbest tour ever because it was literally, like, Motorhead and Cat Stevens went on tour together. <laughs> yeah, you know what right? I mean? It, like, it was, like, it amplified both of us, but not in the best way. Yeah. And we were going to these rooms where it was, like, we take turns who opened, who closed, and we try to figure out wh- who was more appropriate for... And it really didn't matter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Of, like, one of us would drive the crowd out and yeah. one would kill it that's awesome and we, it was like we took turns it would, and we didn't even know it was like someone wanted to like get super out and have fun and oh, yeah. dance and man you can't get better than Alexander Alex. yeah, oh he kills it no. oh, he's so fun to watch yeah but sometimes people want a quiet listening room yep and, and I kill those. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's that's super funny. Yeah, I, I didn't even I didn't even think about that. Like, <laughs> well, and that's the whole point of like what I'm saying. Like, depending on what show I go to, of like, I gotta accept when I'm in a place that wants Motorhead. You yeah, know what I mean? Of, and like, just ride ride the line. I can never quite do it, but you yeah. know, having a drum and a bass really helps. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, you're you're pretty you're pretty versatile versatile guy. I mean, forty from forty watt to to the stuff that you've released most recently is you know they're they're obviously different but i mean 40 watts your motorhead right like you can you can always pull out that you know what's weird is that the time period like we were out before we to give you know especially the guys i played with credit like we were so far in front of the curve when we were coming out people were literally so weirded out because they're like what are this what's that little guitar oh yeah because no one had ever seen a mandolin yeah you know I'm like what's that wrong guitar like a banjo yeah no one like there was nobody doing any of that crap and we wound up hitting this weird pocket with it that yeah it it crushed It, it, it crushed but we were we were hitting during the it was still jam band Minnesota like Wookie Foot and all that crap and God bless them you know I'm just saying but we get we'd get lumped in, I could see and depending that. on what it was, we, it would come off the same thing. Where like we were John Denver, and, yeah, you know, like, right, and, yeah. and Wookie Foot, and they melt your face. Yeah. yeah, so we get a lot of that. But for for my projects, yeah, that's probably my Motorhead. Yeah, that's your that's uh, that's definitely the one. It's it's hard to like it's hard for people I think to classify things that they don't know. You know, so they're they're like, oh, what's uh, what's forty watt bulb like? And they're like, oh, I know one band that has a mandolin in it. Also, so they're yeah. like, yeah, they're like Wookie Foot. Yeah. Like it's the same thing. They both have a mandolin. Yeah. I, well, it, when we were booking forty watt, especially back in that day, it, it they would either book us under bluegrass, which it was always weird to me. Of like, yeah. there's nothing bluegrass about that band except yeah. the instruments. Yeah. Or else we get jam band, which is another one. Where it was like we never. Our solos were the same. Mm-hmm. Our songs were still only three minutes. Of like, we couldn't play a twelve-minute song if we wanted to. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, we wouldn't have known what to do because it would have been like, well, I guess repeat the solo again. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that just wasn't us. But there's but there's strings in it, so it's a jam band. Yeah. That's yeah. that's the thing. I saw strings in a jam band once. This must be a jam band. Uh, Drew, did you bring a guitar with you? I did. Can I can I bug you to play a song for the people? We've been yeah. talking about this for an hour. No, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. We'll keep going. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, well, Drew. Well, Drew gets his uh, gets his guitar out and ready. Uh, you can catch Drew. He's coming up. He's going to be at the Beanery on May fifth, up in Aitken, at seven p.m. Aitken, great town. There's a the Beanery's a great spot. I know they have good food. And then the the brewery down the road is it? What's it called? It's not Boomtown. Boomtown's a different. What's oh, the Aitken Brewery? Know. It's it's a good spot. But there's all sorts of good places to hang out when you're up in Aitken to catch the catch the show at the Beanery or Festival Festival Rialto on June third with Kelly Smith, Eric Koskinen, and Good Morning. Bedlam. Uh, 
Yeah, we uh, we burned an hour, and I didn't ask you to pick up your guitar once. And I know that the people out there listening are gonna be be upset with me if I didn't make you play something. I was gonna be upset. See, exactly. That's fair. Yeah, I would have been upset with myself. I've been doing this weekly with a buddy of mine. Actually, he's the original bass player for Forty Ball. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, I just realizing right now I haven't touched my guitar since then, and it's tuned down a step, so this will be interesting. What do you guys want to hear? You got anything you want to hear? I hate picking songs at this point. All right. Uh, if I'll, I'll, I'll throw something classic at you, then let's do Laramie. Or no, I, did, I played Laramie on here, actually. What about... Uh, <laughs> yeah, what would LL Cool J do? I could do that. Yeah, let's do that one. Do you watch Ted Laszlo? I yes, I'm one episode behind though, so don't uh, don't ruin anything for he me. He dies, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, you can't, you wouldn't believe it. Shit, man. Man, it's that's the wildest <laughs> episode ever. Like they all die in this horrible <laughs> they, car accident. Man, yeah. that's too bad. That's a shame. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it just remind me because the other day I'm like. I've been feeling so good watching that show. Like, the message on that is so oh, good. Yeah. And, and I was joking with my wife going, like, we should make what would Ted Laszlo do bracelets. There you go. Like, he always has, like, the best answer of just, you like, take it on the chin, brighten your day, and keep moving. Man, that was such a perfect pandemic show. Like, uh, when that came out in 2020, I was like, God, this is what I needed. <laughs> but it's been, what, three years since they put, you know, that's know. what's killing me. Like, I don't understand these shows. I like, don't either. By the time they put out a second season, I forget what the... Well, is my is my timing off though? I feel like it was 2020 where the first one came out. Maybe it was 2021. Maybe I'm wrong. I no. may, it, maybe it's because I love that show too much. I love it was it too. pretty quick, but yeah. I, yeah. Well, I don't know, but uh, yeah. Are you you all tuned up over there? Yeah. All right, go for it. I saw a bumper sticker the other day It said Jesus was coming Thought there must be something he missed I guess when he gets back and sees what happened Man, is he gonna be pissed He said, I'm turned from my evil ways When repent Gonna burn in hell when Heaven's eternity with guys like you Burning hell, I might as well Your bracelet reads What would Jesus do? Apparently he's good friends with you It scares the hell out of me Cause I think you're a dick I always wondered What would LL Cool J do Just ladies love him And I do too And besides he Ain't nothing like you Wouldn't it be great if I had LL's personal cell phone number So I'd just give him a call I'd be like, hey, old buddy, it's me and I'm bored. Let's go to the mall. Probably pick me up at my mom's house in some really expensive convertible car. He'd probably drive real slow and freestyle rap about his rims. I backed him up on my guitar. He braced the reeds. What would Jesus do? Apparently he's good friends with you. It scares the hell out of me. I think you're a dick I always wondered What would LL Cool J do Please love him And I do too And besides Ain't nothing like you
Thanks for that, sir. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we get a second. Thanks, thanks, some sponsors. You want to, you want to hang out for a little bit? Sure. All right, cool. We'll, uh, we'll be right back. I'm glad you're here in Happy Productions Live. Glad you're here. Oh, we're we're live again. Yeah, I'm moving to Duluth. Nice. <laughs> yeah, or I'll be. I'm moving. I'm moving June first. So that might be the only thing that slows me down from making it out to Festival Rialto on June third. I might still be unpacking boxes and shit. Well, don't be a wuss, man. Ah, uh, you know what? You're right. I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be that local band that wouldn't come down the hill. Like, oh, I'm gonna have boxes. I'm gonna have boxes. I can't make it to a show. <laughs> uh, uh, no, it's fair. I, I deserve that. That's it's not a great excuse. Uh, I, well, I say that, and I'm totally like, I can't even tell you how many times. I'm like, well, like Alex has got this weekly on Sundays and. and Anoka, and like I said, he's one of my best friends. So he keeps giving me like, "Con, dude," it's something that always comes up, and sometimes it's even just like, bah, "There's a rerun on Saturday Night Live." I think it's, I might, so I can't. I can't. It's crazy how little it takes sometimes to not go out. You know, I, I have, I've, I've told this story before, but. Like when uh, the year before Prince died, he had this this you know his house parties that he had at his at his place out in Chanhassen. This was this was the last one. It was like on a Tuesday night. We, of course, we didn't know it was the last one. But buddy calls me and we're on the phone and he's like, "Dude, let's go to the show." And I distinctly remember being like, "Yeah, I said this phrase." I'm like, "Prince is young. He'll be around for a while. We'll catch the next one." I'm gonna go to bed. I got an early morning. I mean, I've never eaten my words harder. But I mean, like, I didn't even have an excuse that night. You know, yeah. <laughs> it was just like. I'm tired. Yeah, doesn't. Yeah, sometimes you just you end up kicking yourself. At my age, I can't even tell you how many shows I've had like that. Where not like, uh, one was a a young guy who I, I I was digging digging away at heard of him. He was doing a Seventh Street entry, and that's back when he was doing. Um, uh, he had a leaf blower on stage. Do you know who I'm talking about? <laughs> no, I don't. Beck, Beck came through. <laughs> really? Yeah, it was like before his first album dropped, and at the last second, I'm like, ah, okay, I'll catch him. You know? Yeah. Jesus. Like, I've had a ton of those. Actually, the one that kills me the most was my um, my son. Like, we don't go to a lot of shows together. I'll, I'll come to shows, but that's no fun for him to like, you know? Yeah. Watch his old man. Actually, <laughs> one of the stories is. I took him. I took him to one where I knew it was gonna be a killer one. It was Dead Pigeons. We we're headlining, killed it, like double, triple standing ovation. Sold all our merch. This wonderful show. We're all on cloud nine. We finally get back to the lodge that they put us up in. And then my son, I'm like, "What did you think of that?" And he goes, "What?" I'm like, "The show." He's like, "Oh, we didn't. We didn't go to the show. We stayed and watched Jerry Springer on." I'm like, "You little son of a bitch!" I'm like, Ouch. Show my career. Like, my little kid didn't see it. But that the, hurts. the one show that he wanted to see was, uh, I think it was the first year that uh, Bonavere did his his festival thing. Oh, that Eau Claire, yeah. Yeah, we yeah. both like Bonavere together. And he knew I was a big John Prine fan. John Prine was on that bill. What? Yeah, yeah. He, John oh. Prine did one of his early I didn't festivals. Know that. There. Yeah. yeah. And we wound up getting a big Pigeons gig under contract for a lot of money and I backed out on that one last sun- second yeah. I, to my son I'm like don't worry we'll catch him oh. and then the next time he came through those tickets were like 500 bucks I yeah. was like oh, son of a bitch yeah. and they knew I'd never see him like that was the hardest part of like That's... I never saw John Brian oh. live I, I, I did once because he played the Northrop the year after my Prince fiasco and I had taught myself I'm like just go to the damn show and I couldn't find anybody to go with me which was weird uh, for, it was like a 
a Thursday or something. I don't, I don't know. And I lived on the other side of town, so I biked there and I went and I watched John Prine by myself. Which me and you know that's not that weird, but at the time I wasn't doing music yet. Like, and so I watched the show and I was like, "This is God." I'm glad I went to this. Yeah. I mean, he was incredible. This was, I think, this was 2016. I think was when it was. Maybe it was nice. 2015. But. Yeah, dude. Best it, show ever? Yeah. Like, is it the best he, show you ever seen? Yeah, hands down. And it's in like, you know, it's John Prine. He's yeah. out, he was out with a band and he was doing, the guy still had it after all those years. It was incredible. Mine's yeah. probably Tom. I saw Tom for meal variations at, at oh, a state theater. Yeah? Yeah, that was probably my. That's. It, well, actually, the other the other one I always tell people, but it doesn't make any sense, was a band called Thirsty Forest Animals in Chicago. I saw him play at the Cubby Bear, the upstairs, where everything went wrong. <laughs> Like, sound was awful, and the band just got pissed, yep. focused, and, like, just melted the four faces that were in the... You know what I That's mean? That's awesome. Like, yeah. That was my favorite. That literally was the moment of, like, I gotta play music. Yeah. And and then, uh... But I've seen a lot of, like... Like, Concrete Blonde's last show. I saw the Pogues' last show in Minnesota. Like, that one's a bucket list. But then I've had other ones where it's, like, uh... For me, one of my biggest buckets, I'm like a huge Van Morrison fan. Oh, yeah. Which I, weirds me out. People always find that weird, which I don't... I see it. I, well, all they ever think is, like, Brown Eyed Girl, and it's like, dude. Dude. Yeah, dig in. You know what I mean? Like, hell of a writer. That's not even his top one ten. One of the greatest not- singers of all time, man. Yeah, he's, he's like an acro- acrobat with vocals. But anyways, I, he came through for Back on the Top again, and he had uh, Taj Mahal and Johnny Lee Hooker. Yeah? Yeah. That's, yeah. And it was the worst show I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It worst, show, worst show of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, think, I think everyone who's seen Dylan has a story like that, too. <laughs> like, <laughs> a buddy of mine he told the story of he was, uh, it was the Met Stadium when I was still there, Bob. Yeah. So it had, that must have been, what, the 80s? Sure. <clears throat> and the guy behind him kept yelling, play blown in the way and play blown in the wind. And he said at one fine moment, halfway through a song, he yelled it, and he turned around and goes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh. All right. What are you playing for us, Drew? Um, oh, you want a John Prine, right? Oh, let me think here. If you're up for it. Yeah. I got to figure out because I'm tuned. Let me see if this is right. I'll try this. All snow has turned to water. Christmas day is coming gone Broken toys and faded colors All is left to linger on I hate graveyards and old pawn shops They only bring me tears Can't believe the way they rob me my childhood souvenirs Memories can't be bought Can't be won the carnival for free It took me years To get those souvenirs I don't know 
how they slipped away from me. Now do Tom Waits. <laughs> Which one? Uh, can you do all 55? Uh, no. No. Christmas card from Hooker in Minneapolis. I used to do that one, actually. Did you? Yeah, yeah. You still know it? A buddy, well, it's a lot of words. A buddy of mine, uh, Nick Thielen, we, we would always talk about, and I think that one in... Uh, yeah, I don't know that one anymore. Nah, he, okay. he does a, like a really killer version of that one. If you ever heard him do that, really? One. No, I haven't. I always think of Nick when I hear that one. Let me think. What do I know of? <coughs> um. My voice is out with allergies, but I'll try butchering on. This will be the last one I'll make you do. I promise. Sun come up was blue and gold. Sun come up, it was blue and gold. Sun come up, it was blue and gold. Ever since I put your picture in a frame, I come calling in my Sunday best. I come calling in my Sunday best. I can call in in my Sunday best Ever since I put your picture in a frame I'm gonna love you till the wheels come off Oh, oh, oh yeah Love you, baby, and I always will. I love you, baby, and I always will. I love you, baby, and I always will. Ever 
Ever since I put your picture in a frame I love you baby and I always will Ever since I put your picture in a frame That's a good one there. Man. That's a good one, yeah. Drew Peterson does Tom Waits and John Prine, everybody. Oh, would you say you're the you're the kind of the bastard child of Tom Prine and John Wade? Or Tom Prine and John Wade. Yes, John Wade. Yeah, I like that. John it's, Wade. Yeah, it's not bad. Tom Tom Prine. Tom Prine. Well, there is there is a Tom Prine now. There's Tommy Prine. His kids making music. Do you know that? I've seen that. Yeah. 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 I, I I've heard he's good. I haven't heard him yet, but he doesn't even need to. All he has to do is cover his dad's song. Exactly. Yeah, right. Jesus, he'll sell out every time. Yeah. The, Actually, uh, there's a there's a song. Um, Obviously, if you listen to Dead uh, Forty Watt, that's the one where you really hear Tom Waits influence. Like yep. it's just thick throughout. The, I mean, we just flat out steal from him. You know what I mean? Literally, the name is stolen from a song. But uh, there's a song on there where he jokes with uh, the director Jim Jarmish. Yeah, I don't remember where I saw this. I think it was like fishing with. There's a weird. There's a weird show. I think they were joking about it, but how they have this secret society called the the Bastard Sons of Lee Marvin. Yeah, really? Because they all, all kind of, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. him, Jim Jarmish, and I think one other dude. They all kind of have that same weird, you know, facial look of, of and I'm a huge Lee Marvin fan. I, yeah. like, I love, like, old westerns and shit like that. And it just, uh, that just thrilled me, that idea of, like, the, the Bastards. And I have a song on that Bastard album. Bastard Son of Marvin Lee. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's where that actually comes from, is that's stolen from the idea of, like, yeah, of, like, who's my dad? It's brilliant. Like, yeah, it's, Lee Marvin. I didn't. I knew I couldn't. You know, rhyming with Marvin is too hard. So that's, that's tough. Yeah, Lee's pretty easy. Lee's so Lee's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, you uh, you stole from the best. You did. Yeah, <laughs> you did a good job. That's directly stolen from Tom Waits. Hey, well, the cool the cool thing about thiever like artistic thievery like that is when it goes through your artistic filter and comes out as this. You know. To you, you stole it. To me, you created something entirely new, right? Like, that's the cool well, that's part. The, what, what you're really doing when you become a musician is you're jumping in on a conversation. That's yes. the whole thing of, like, there's a conversation going on, yep. and you get to jump in and put your two cents in. Exactly. And the ridiculous nature is, like, you know when when you're literally not putting your two cents in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Of, you, like, or when bands are doing that. Of, exactly. Like, the weirder ones is like they'll put their two cents and they'll say the exact same again. You know that's really common. Yeah. Like, like oh, what's the band? Uh, Every morning there's a sugar a. They put out like two songs and they're exactly the same. You know, yeah, <laughs> and right? like and God bless them, whatever. Good. They, got they made a lot of money. Yeah, I got. But got you know, sometimes you put your two cents in. It's the same two cents. Mm-hmm. You can just keep saying it over and over. Yeah. But yeah, you're just adding to a conversation. I'm like. I've I've said this for years of like if you really wrote original music it would be unpalatable you you couldn't listen to it like oh, yeah. that's the whole thing yeah if like no one no one knows why a one four five works so well you know which chord I'm talking stupid well, now but well, no Bono you know, knows Bono I'm just kidding yeah. I'm just, <laughs> like, <laughs> when I get to know him better I'll oh yeah. <laughs> yeah we're not on talking terms. Uh. But. No, but there's you know there's certain chords that go together. Yep, they're supposed to go together. Like if somebody could actually patent that, Jesus, you'd own all of music. Yeah, you know what exactly. I mean? Like it is the progression, and yeah. that's what's funny is when pe- people come back and be like, "Oh, that's the same as like." Of course it is. Yeah, it's worked forever. Yeah. Don't fix it if it's not broke. Yeah, yeah, it's 
no, it's. <laughs> I love the idea of a conversation. I think it's arts as a whole are a conversation. Like literature is a conversation over however many years, right? And you st- you stand on the shoulders of giants. And the cool thing about about musicians and, and musicians like you are and artists are the like I, I, I'm trying to find a way to say this like people get into making things because they have good taste I know I'm stealing that from somebody but I don't remember who uh, and it's like you get into it because you have good taste and so you you get to quote unquote steal from a lot more people because you discovered a lot more people, right? Like there, there are bands like Greta Van Fleet who listened to Led Zeppelin for 20 years and then they came out with their two cents, which is a Led Zeppelin ripoff. They couldn't right? listen for 20 years. They're like 20 years old. <laughs> like, yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. For two years, they two, listened to them. Two, two years yeah, yeah, and they yeah. came out with that. But like, I didn't know that. I have to listen to them. I, I love Zeppelin, man. Yeah, dude, this, this band of, yeah, this, they're, they sound like Zeppelin. That's, that's their thing. Zeppelin is one of the most underrated bands, even though they're one of the biggest bands ever. I'm yeah. Like, there's a, that's a great example of how, like, especially with American music, we love it when somebody else reiterates back us. Yes. More so than when it's us saying it. That's the it's weirdest weird. part. Of, it doesn't, yeah. Yeah. Name the biggest bands in the world for rock and roll, and none of them are American. No, they all came from over there. Somewhere else. ACDC. Yeah, Australia, right? Yeah, all the biggest bands, Rolling Stones, The Beatles. Yeah. And there is British music, and they know this. We're like, and we don't quite get the British stuff. Some do, and then then those people wear Doc Martens. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. What we love, and they know it too, of like, you know, Reiterated back to us, mm-hmm. like you know, yeah. And then other band like Oasis, one of the best ones is like Oasis. They're literally doing a band that reiterated back to us, and they're copying that band. Yeah. Like, they're the they're the Beatles. They're you the know, Beatles. we love, yeah, yeah. And and then uh, ten years later, you got Jet. Did you ever hear the band Jet? Oh, Are yeah. you gonna be? My-? Yeah, like yeah. they were Oasis two point oh. They just from Australia doing it. Are they? Yeah, they're from a, they're an Australian band. I don't know what that. We love when people them. play our music back to us. We, yeah, more so than when we play our. It's so strange. Yeah, yeah it's it's spot on though. People, for whatever reason, it becomes uh, what's what's the word for it? I, I was gonna say ethnic, but that's not it. Uh, you, you know what I mean? Like, it becomes exciting when it comes from somewhere else. It's not well, our idea. I, I get this all the time with my travel. Yeah. Of, like, <clears throat> and there's no there's no fault in it. Well, this is what I would say to people who are, if anybody listening and you're a music fan, you need to have an understanding that right now in Minnesota, in the Midwest in general, you have some of the greatest yes. bands that have ever been. Yeah. Like, have ever been. And they're playing at your local bars and stuff. It's awesome. I, my mind is blown away by some of these bands coming up and how they're playing for a hundred bucks at at a brewery yeah of like there's unbelievable good music but you don't think so because it's like oh they're at my brewery because somebody cool didn't somebody in doc martens didn't tell you it was cool well it's yeah nowadays it's it's the, the whole point is like if so you take someone like a I don't even I like I don't want to rip on anybody. We'll just we'll say we'll just we'll make this up. We can rip on Greta Van Fleet though. I think that's a fair game. Well, no, I'm going <laughs> to say basically like you have a you have a giant label. Yeah, they know what it, they know the whole formula. So they'll find this young person who say whatever they started out on Disney Channel, right? Yep. And then they don't write songs. No, but they put them in rooms with old guys that can, and they'll even be like, what you know. Well, my boyfriend was mean to me, and you know, I I don't know what shoes to wear. You know, and yep. they'll write to the, what they're saying. They get writing credits. Then they use the best producers, the best recorders, the best 
whatever else, and they throw millions of dollars at this one young girl who's never even played a guitar. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and next thing you know, they're touring the world and they're getting $20,000 for a goddamn ticket. You know what I mean? Of yep. like, you, you can see this a million times over. It's... But yet, you could go in Minnesota right now, go to a local brewery. I'll name a dozen bands for you that are better than anything out there. 100%. And yeah. tickets are going to be cheaper, and you can see them in a much cooler room. You don't you have can to meet go. Them. Yeah, you can meet them. You can go talk to them. They're real people. They're not, they're not miles away at a taxpayer funded stadium. You know, yeah. like, it's. Yeah, you'll help them pay their rent. Exactly, you can make a difference in yeah. somebody's in somebody's actual life. I I couldn't agree with you more. And this is uh, this is the one little high horse thing that that I get on for people is like, you can you can stream this stuff on Spotify and Apple Music and it's cool, but they they don't pay nearly enough for people. So the best thing to do to support you know the arts and have them is to go to those shows and to buy the. That's merch a big one. Things. Buying the merch is a yeah. big one because it it goes right into our pockets. Yep. I I actually I would still encourage people to stream. It's you know not, what I would say? Yeah. I'm like, not, not even kidding about this. Take a device, turn the volume down, put <laughs> on your favorite local band, let it repeat for weeks on end. Yeah. And they will get paid for that. Like, they they will. And, you know, I'm not making much out of streaming, but every dollar helps me a it's ton. It's something. Taylor yeah. James Donsky, you know him. He uh, he's he's down he's down in the cities, but he he created a white noise album, and he's like, I make more money from that than I do. It's like for going to sleep, put it on Spotify. Oh, it's brilliant, yeah. yeah. So people play that thing all There's night. Apps that you have to pay per month. I know because I love white noise. Yeah, and I want a good one. And they're like, you have to pay per month. Yeah, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll you know that <laughs> seriously. I'll give you his band's name. Yeah. It's Darling Lily Grave. You can you. Can, oh no, I'm making my own album. No, there, yeah, yeah, dude, make a white noise album. There was also a rapper who did something. So you know how there's bot farms that you can pay to stream your stuff or whatever he figured out a formula where he could pay the bot farms and then they would stream his stuff and then Spotify still has to cut him a check for all the streams he ended up making like 60 grand and he's in a lawsuit with Spotify right now he's like I just gamed your system that's all I did yeah like just paid bots to stream it and made money from you yeah, yeah they they it is what it is but yeah that's true you should you should, it's it's not that you shouldn't stream it you can it's a tool i use it too but it's just like the best way to get a dollar in your pocket is to buy the merch sure. of the show and come buy a t-shirt yeah get a t-shirt get yeah. a drew, get go on drew peterson's name on it because that's his favorite he wants to make more yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he wants to put his name on more merch yeah well we have some new merch coming out which is fun hey what do you got coming? my wife came up with the idea of uh uh, so I go, Gus can't catch fish. You're talking about that? Yeah. She got koozies that were Gus's bait and tackle, which I thought was pretty <laughs> That's funny. That's awesome. Yeah. And That's then uh, uh, an idea of just stenciled shirts with some lyrics. We have some cool ones coming out, which is that. Very we, cool. We, we did some wrench shirts a while back, and just there's so many people. It sold out like that. Yeah. So we keep doing them, and so there's new wrench shirts coming. Everybody's asking. Awesome. Yeah. That'll be, that'll be sweet. I... Uh, I can't wait to to come to these shows and catch you. Hopefully at Festival Rialto, I won't be putting away boxes. I'm gonna I'm gonna make my way out there. J- June third up to Grand Rapids. Uh, Every one of those bands on that list is is the same thing I'm talking about. They're all incredible. I haven't heard Wild Horses yet, but they have a good buzz going. But they were they I've were, heard yeah. I've heard Good Morning Bedlam. They're fantastic. Kelly Smith is obviously crazy good. Yep. Koskinen, man, you you know you how is he it. not a national act? Dude, I exactly. How no. is he not? Does he? Is, I think. One of the cool things about like Midwest and Minnesota artists that I've learned from doing this show and just from being a part of this scene is that the people that are here 
choose to be here. And I, I don't mean that in like people don't choose to be in other places, but I think people go to Nashville or LA or New York City with the idea of like, quote unquote, making it. And people that are here are doing it, you know, it's like, well, I can make it by playing, playing enough gigs to feed my kids here. You know, I don't need everyone to know my name, you know? And I think there's there's something kind of cool about that. Nothing against people that go well, to Nashville. There's a dirty secret with it, which that whole selling your soul. Yeah. Like, even if you can, which it's rare to even, most of them by the end of it are more broke than when they went into it. Exactly. So all you are is famous by the end of it. And being famous, what little I've had of it, is awful. <laughs> Why would you want that? So it's miserable. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, no. most people are making the right choices. I, I mean, yeah, I can't yeah. agree more. Uh, well, Drew, we got to we got to take a second to thank sponsors again. But you know, I wanted to say thank you so much for coming on. This has been an absolute pleasure. You're, Thanks you're, for having me. Yeah, dude, you're obviously welcome to hang out more if you want to. But uh, we we got to thank some sponsors, and then we got to play uh, we got to play the road trip. So this is uh, kind of to your point. Like this is a local show, right? But then we take a little bit of a segment and go and try and uncover some stones from local scenes like around the country and see if we can find those great ass that are playing at the Palmers of Idaho, you know, sure. and see if we can give give a little spotlight to them for a little while. Nice. So, yeah, so that's what we got coming on. We got the road trip after this. And, uh, yeah, you're welcome to stay, stick around and guest DJ with me if you want to. But you're not obligated to hang out with me. I, I can understand that, too. Uh, but either way, we're going to take a second. Thanks some sponsors. I'm glad you're here, and we will be right back as soon as I finish getting this uh, moved over. You want to tell the people a joke while I move this over real quick? <laughs> tell me? Yeah, no, I don't care. Sure. My favorite joke is, uh, <clears throat> you hear about the stoic Norwegian, old Norwegian farmer who uh, loved his wife so much that one day he almost told her. <laughs> I think that's a perfect way to bring it home. Uh-huh. They, thank you, Drew. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna thank sponsors now. I got I got my shit together. We'll be right back. I'm glad you're here with the road trip on Happy Productions Live. Glad you're here. 